You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, last week we were looking at the the storm, and I proposed that uh, the storm, as though they came frequently upon the Sea of Galilee, this one seemed to have a little more demonic inspiration to it because of where Jesus was headed. He was heading to a new region. He was going to a new region. And we'll pick up the reading of chapter 5 of the Gospel of Mark at verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a near, nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep, black, steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Sitting there, dressed in his right mind, they were afraid. And those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. When the people began to plead, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Father, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive the fullness of your gospel truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. So we end chapter 4. After Jesus calms the storm, the disciples are just bewildered. And they look at each other and they're saying, who is this man? Who is this man that the wind and the waves obey him? They've been with him now. They've seen him heal leper. They've seen him heal many, many people. 
and they still are a little slow to understand. However, in the spiritual realm, there's no slowness, no slowness at all about knowing who Jesus is. Matter of fact, it's, it's, it's amazing that as Jesus comes in the beginning of chapter one and he goes into the synagogue, nobody else knows who he is, but the demons do. And there's a man with an unclean spirit and, and he starts making a scene and Jesus says, come out. And here we go. We end with the contrast that the disciples in the boat with the miracle of the calming of the storm, they're asking and scratching their head and trying to figure out who is Jesus? Who is this guy? Now they come upon the shore and the first one to greet them is the demoniac. Now, some of us were raised with King James and it was the Gadarene. Others, you know, the, the new translation, it's the Gerasene, you know, and it's like, so if I flip-flop back and forth, just know it's my history. <laughs> so here, here we come. Jesus comes to the other side and in the midst of this contrast where the disciples are, are still scratching their head at who Jesus is, here's one who knows him, the most unlikely. He's a man with an evil spirit. He lives among the tombs. He was strong. No one could bind him anymore. They've tried and he would just break the chains. He'd break anything that they tried to bound him with. Not even with a chain, he tore the chains, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs in the hills, he was in torment. He cried out all through the night. He cut himself with stones. Does this give you a little insight to what the purposes of the kingdom of darkness is? The kingdom of darkness is here to bring torment and destruction. The mutilation. When the pain is so intense and so perplexing that you think by cutting your own flesh, you might be able to release the internal pain by creating more pain on the exterior. It's like, oh, isn't that just the way the deceiver works? He gets us thinking that to harm ourselves is a way to get out of our pain. And here's, here's this poor man. And this is the, the welcoming committee to this new region, this new area for evangelistic exploration. When he sees Jesus from a distance, he recognizes. It's amazing. The demonic always knows who Jesus is. He comes running. He, he realizes who Jesus is and he's running. Now, is it the man that's running or is it the demonic that's in him that's running? You know, at times when, when, when I look at this and kind of in my imagination, I kind of see it. It's like the demons know who Jesus is and they understand eschatology very well. The study of 
the end times, how things are going to climax. They know that in the end they lose. They know that. They know that when the Messiah comes, game's over. And, and, and so they're, they're realizing that as they get to the end of the age, they're going to be cast away. And so here they are. I don't know if they're eager to see Jesus. My hunch is that they would probably like to scatter. But I see something in this man that has still got his own will involved. And the torment and the, the confusion that's going on inside of him as he sees Jesus and the demons recognize who he is, and I don't know if he's able to recognize through the demons who Jesus is, but something made him run. And he's running to Jesus. And when he runs to Jesus, he falls on his knees before the Lord. Now, whether that was his humanness or whether that was just the understanding in the spirit realm, everything will bow its knee to the Lordship of Jesus. They come and they humble themselves and they fall before the Lord Jesus. Just like the the episode in the synagogue in chapter one. It's the demonic that knows who Jesus is. And here they are. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. <laughs> and that just cracks me up. They know that torture is coming for them. And they know that Jesus is the Son of the Most High God. And so they're concerned that they are about to experience some real painful, unpleasant uh, connection to being in the presence of Jesus. Jesus said, come out of the man you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked, what is your name? He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. If you kind of get the time as, as he's approaching on his knees and Jesus is commanding and exercising authority over the demon and commanding it to come out. And it's afraid it's going to be tormented and, and the interaction that's taking place between Jesus and the man and the demons within the man and everything that's going on, it's like, oh. But Jesus has been saying, come out. And the demon hasn't come out yet. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I like when Jesus says, come out, the demons come out, just like chapter one. I, I, I like that. I, I even like it less when we get to Mark chapter nine and the disciples who in chapter three have been 
gathered to Jesus so that he can send them forth to preach and to cast out demons, to have authority over demons. So the disciples are supposed to have authority over demons. And in chapter 9, a man brings his son who's got a demon that's tormenting and, and trying to destroy him, and the disciples can't cast the demon out. And it's like, oh, I don't want to read those stories in the Bible. I want to read the stories where they always come out. Like that. But I'm glad it's in here because I've been with ministry time where you exercise the authority that's been given to us as a disciple of the Lord Jesus and you command it out and sometimes they come right out. And other times, they almost snicker and laugh. Are you serious? Are you serious? You think you can cast me out? And at that point, you better know whose authority you're functioning in. Because if you think you're functioning in your authority based on your credentials of your achievements in, in the gospel and in, in the kingdom, you're in trouble. But if you go back to the authority of Jesus that has been granted to you to steward, and it's by the authority of the Lord Jesus, then let's see what happens. Because when Jesus shows up on the scene, they are coming out one way or another. As you look at the backdrop of this, this is a region that uh, these demons have been around for a long time. And they don't want to leave the area. They want to stay in this region. And it's like, oh, my stars. So they're, they're making you know, some, some deals with Jesus. Like, you know, if we got to go, please you know, don't send us out of the area. We, we like it here. I wonder why they like it here. There seems to be very little resistance to their influence. There seems to be very little godly understanding of how we are created in God's image, male and female. And, and with that lack, they've been able to get away with murder, literally. And so they love being in this region. And so as, as this dynamic's going forth, you know, they're begging Jesus not to send them out. Then they notice the pigs and they, they want to be sent among the pigs. Now, I don't know what among the pigs means. I, they just want to go out and hang out with some pigs. They, they just want to roll with the pigs. But then the scripture goes on and says, and allow us to go into the pigs. What does Jesus want? He wants the man with the evil spirit to be set free. And so he gives permission. The evil spirits come out. They go into the pigs. We get the number, about 2,000 of them. And they run down the bank into the lake and they're drowned. When I was in school, we had to give chapter titles 
in our inductive English Bible methodology course. And we'd try to come up with a catchy phrase that would help us understand what's going on in the chapter. And a friend of mine said, his chapter title for chapter five is Deviled Ham. I thought, oh, that's pretty good. The demonic wants to torment. The demonic wants to deceive. The demonic wants to have free access, not to be noticed, but to, get, get, to, to move around and among and do everything that it wants to do. It wants to kill and destroy. Hmm. So then there's the observers who watch this phenomenon. They ran to report to the town and the country sound. They, they told about the demon-possessed man. They give testimony that, you know, Frank is sitting and clothed in his right mind. What in the world was this? Do you know how many demons was in this guy? It was unbelievable. And he also told about the pigs. Oh, by the way, the whole herd is lost. The people went out to see what had happened after hearing the report of the of the pig shepherds. And so they go out and when they come to Jesus, they see the man who had been possessed and he's sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Now I've used this expression a time or two to describe an experience that my wife and I had when my best man at my wedding, my former youth pastor, who was just a, a very high-strung, hyper kind of person. And we met them after they had had an encounter with the Lord in which the Holy Spirit had profoundly come upon them. And when we went into the house, there was my friend sitting and clothed and in his right mind. I mean, there was a peace that emanated from him that, that I, we knew something was up. And it was like, tell us your testimony. What, what has the Lord done? What has God done? Because we knew how he used to be, and now we see how he is behaving right now, and we're saying, man, this is a, such a contrast. Tell us, what has the Lord done? And so here's the people, they're coming, and, and they're, seeing, they're seeing this kind of phenomena. They're seeing this kind of peace upon this man but they seem to be a little more concerned about the loss of pigs. But they were afraid. I think we're gonna see more and more deliverances in the days coming. And pretty much the kingdom of darkness gets away with all sorts of stuff in America because we're so rational Western mindset that we don't really have a good grid for, for this realm of the spiritual where the demonic and the angelic reside. We understand heaven when we get to heaven and we know the earth, then we get here. But some theologians call it the excluded middle. It's the place where heaven and earth kind of converge and that's the place in the spirit realm where the angels and the demons have their activity. And it's like, oh my, we don't have a clue what's going on. 
That's why we pray and 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 pray, and we're praying for a symptom, and we're praying for a physical condition for the person, and nothing happens because we don't understand that what's behind the physical condition is a spirit, is a demonic spirit that's attached. In Luke, it says that the woman was bent over for 18 years by a demon. And it's like, ugh. And so if you're over here and you're applying lotions and you're you know, trying to get adjustments and you're trying to do all sorts of things, it, it, the best way to de depict what, what I've come to find is a lot of times we don't know where our enemy's coming from. It's like we're a boat out on the ocean and the enemy's coming and we think it's a submarine, so we let off the depth charges and we try to blow the submarine up from underneath and we don't realize he's in the air with bombs that he's trying to hit our ship from the air. And it's like, we seem to be oftentimes very clueless as how the enemy is functioning among us. And a lot of us would just like to stay in our nice American rational mind so we can leave all that Bible stuff in the past and not have to deal with it in the future. And I, I, I vote for that until all of a sudden I got confronted by the excluded middle. I don't know, have you ever had a demon talk to you? It's just like, this isn't good. This isn't good. I'm talking to a female. And all of a sudden, out of her body, through her mouth, is a voice that is the scariest masculine, guttural sound, feels like it comes straight from the pit of hell. And they say, she belongs to us. You can't have her. And I'm going, oh, there might be something wrong with my worldview. Mind you, I hadn't had any medications. It was a normal day. And it's like, okay, we, we have to be aware that the enemy is a real entity. I'm not gonna fixate on him, but at the same time, I'm not gonna deny his existence. I gotta realize that the Lord has told us that we have an adversary. And he told us not to be ignorant of his ways, his schemes, his devices, how he functions and moves, <clears throat> okay? But we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We walk in step with the Holy Spirit, and as we're walking in the Spirit, then the Spirit is able to help us recognize what we're dealing with in the moment. And we have to realize that one of the options is it could be a spirit. It could, could actually very well be a spirit. <clears throat> so we know that the spiritual realm's real. <clears throat> if you've come to Jesus, 
it usually doesn't take too long after you say, Lord, come into my life, come into my heart, I, 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 I surrender to you. It doesn't take too long after that that all of a sudden everything goes crazy. Because before, you were no threat to the kingdom of darkness. But now that the light of Christ is in you, everywhere you go, you're leaking the light of God's love. You're, you're leaking the light of truth. And as a result, now you're a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And so <clears throat> darkness will start doing all sorts of stuff. The scripture says that we might not shrink back. I call it the old turtle shell move. We, 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 we accept Christ and all of a sudden everything starts to bombard. And so we go back in our shell and, and we get intimidated by the power of darkness because we haven't yet fully understood the authority that we have in the Lord Jesus. We don't know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We, we don't know that light always displaces darkness, that the word of the Lord will never <laughs> return void, but it will accomplish everything that the Lord has sent it to accomplish. When we start to get that inside of us, then the enemy's intimidating tactics begins to lose their effect. I remember we got so many stories and we don't want to dwell on those, but it was like, it's like, this is amazing. It, it was almost like when we started to move in, in, in the power of the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it was almost like every demon this side of the Mississippi started attending my church or coming to my house or I would come across in the marketplace. And it was like, oh. and you know, they're really quite disgusting. I see why we, we back off because there's nothing about ministering in that realm that's any good until you see the breakthrough. When you see the breakthrough and you see the person who once was completely bound by all the realm of the demonic, and now they're set free, and there's peace. They're sitting, they're at peace with themselves for the first time in their life. They've got their mind back. Now their will, they can start making choices to say, no, I don't think I wanna do that. No, <clears throat> I don't think, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever, I, I don't think that's a good choice for me right now. Uh, and so they are able to make decisions based on the freedom and the liberty that they have. Now I always get concerned that, you know, I've had some that, you know, once they get free, if they haven't dealt with the, the original issue that allowed entrance of darkness into their life, it's kind of like a house that's got the window open. And so we evict the demonic out the front door, but they go around to the side of the house and they come in through the window. And it's like, oh. So we finally, you know, as we grow, in ministry, we realize 
before we kick him out the front door, let's make sure all the windows are shut and locked, and then let's kick him out the front door. Because if you don't, it's just circular. You just keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and it's like, no, no, no. So you're, you're saying, Rick, what are, you, what are you preaching about this? Well, because it's in the text, and we're going through Mark. It's in the text. But at the same time, we need to be aware of this stuff. The more ignorant you are about the kingdom of darkness, the more fear you will have when you encounter it. The more familiar you are with the kingdom of light and love and the righteousness of Christ, the more confidence you will have when you come into the places that are dark, when you move into the shadows and, and you've been called upon to minister in a, in a difficult spot. Then you will go with the confidence and the authority that the Lord is with you. You're not doing it on your own. You're an under shepherd and the good shepherd is abiding in you and he will release and give you the wisdom of what you need to do and where you need to do it. <clears throat> so they ask him, they plead with Jesus to leave their region. And at this point I'm saying, Lord, is this the demons again? No, this is the people. But you can understand how the demonic has, has such an influence in that region that the people are giving expression to what the demonic wants. The demonic doesn't want the Son of the Most High God to come on shore and minister into the land. And so they ask him, and Jesus gets in the boat, and the demon-possessed man, who's now free, comes up and begs to go with Jesus. Now I think we need to help Jesus out a little bit because he doesn't quite understand discipleship. You know, if, if you've got someone that's just freely gotten free, you know, rid of, of the demonic possession, demonization, uh, they need to be discipled. You know, you need to take them under your wing and help them find their sea legs and, and, and get them down the road a little bit. But Jesus says, nope, you can't come. Jesus, Jesus is not able to do the ministry that I think they intended to do because of the resistance. We find that again when he, when he, when he goes and, and he's in his hometown and he says he couldn't do many mighty miracles there because of the unbelief. And so whatever this demonic principality influence spiritual forces over this area has been doing, it has caused them to partner. And now Jesus is leaving and he tells the guy, no, you can't go with me, but go home. Go home to your family, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away. He began to tell in the 10 cities, the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. He wasn't discipled, 
We don't know if he was a Calvinist or an Arminian. We, we don't know what his theological slant was, whether he believed in one work of grace or two. My hunch is he probably believes in one because <laughs> that's all he got. But <clears throat> here he is, under-discipled. I mean, if I was the apostolic leader there, I'd be so worried about this guy, thinking, oh man, he, he's, he's in a hostile environment, an area that seems to just kind of be influenced by darkness. And here he, and the guy goes, and everybody's amazed. See, Jesus can do it any way he wants to do it. He can absolutely flat out do it. He can use anybody he wants to use. Even the demon, the demonized. And here he, he and this guy goes back home. Can you imagine? Years have taken place. Can you imagine all the alienated relationships within the family, within the village, within the neighborhood, within the arena? And now he's going back and they're all seeing a miracle. And they're saying, how did that happen? And he tells them what Jesus had done, how God had had mercy on him. I don't know about you, but that kind of gets my juices going. I, I just think, man, this is, this is the real gospel. This is the real Jesus. This is the real story. That's why we're telling the story again, to say we can't let our culture dictate our understanding of the scripture. We can't let our culture define how we minister and how we love and how we reach out. We've got to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us into all the truth and the reality. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.